And right now we are in week two of a series we started last week. It's our Christmas series called Adventageous. And this is our Advent series. I've never done an Advent series before, but if you haven't grown up in church, Advent might seem a little bit confusing because the traditions around it might seem odd if you, if you weren't part of a church that, that participated in these traditions or maybe you're just not a church person and, and you've never seen these before. Because Advent, the, the tradition that we observe, they're, they're not necessarily something that you see in Scripture. So I want to explain the origins of Advent and where it comes from. Advent, the word itself is not in the Bible, but the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus. I know it kind of sounds like a cologne, but um, that's, it's a Latin word for really the, the Greek word, which is parousia. Parousia is in the Bible. Parousia, it means coming or arrival, presence or advent. And so whenever you see parousia in the Bible, it's typically used to talk about Jesus' second coming or his coming when he came as a baby. That's what Advent is about. I mentioned this last week, but, but just for clarity, in Advent, what we do is we prepare for Jesus' return by looking back at Jesus' arrival. How many of you know in order to have a faith that looks forward, sometimes you need to bring yourself to look back? And these Advent candles that are often observed in, in many churches, they collectively represent the unfolding promise of God that came through the birth of Christ. Now, just as like with many traditions, family traditions, any kind of tradition, same thing is true with, with this Christian tradition that as time goes on, different parts of the tradition are emphasized. Like how many of you have some Christmas traditions? You got some Christmas traditions? Only about half of you. Okay. Well, my wife and I both have Christmas traditions, but you know, we have different Christmas traditions. Like, I grew up in a house that had a Christmas tree. Anybody have a Christmas tree? Yes, Christmas tree. She grew up with Christmas trees. It's like a, a forest in our house. And uh, I, I grew up, my family would put out the nativity. Anybody know what a, a nativity scene is? Yeah, did that. She grew up, her family would put out snowmen. Way less spiritual than my family. And... Uh, yeah, like, I, I grew up with, with stockings that we would put up and, you know, we'd actually fill the stockings, not just for decoration. Marissa never had the joy of a stocking until she married me. And so different traditions, well, in the same way with these candles, sometimes different churches will emphasize different parts of the tradition. But there's four candles, uh, sometimes a, a fifth, and each one of these candles is significant. We started last week by talking about this first candle, this candle is called the prophecy candle sometimes, or the, the hope candle. And we talked about how the, the prophets of old, they prophesied the hope that would come through the birth of the Messiah, through Jesus. This second candle, though, sometimes it's called the Bethlehem candle. Bethlehem candle representing the journey that Mary and Joseph had to make to Bethlehem as they returned for the census and the faith that that took, and all the preparation that went into that. And then also, other, other times, it's not called the Bethlehem candle. People know it as the peace candle, the candle of peace. That's, that's how I grew up with it. I grew up in the Methodist church. It was the hope candle and the peace candle. And for our text today, as we 
get into our Advent series, I, I want us to look at that journey that Mary and Joseph made to Bethlehem that we see in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can find your way there. I'm going to read from the NIV translation, but if you didn't, you can put the words on the screen and, and we can all follow along together. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So as we read that text, you might be thinking, I thought you said this was the peace candle, and I don't see any peace in that text that we just read. No mention of it. And as we light this candle of peace today, I want to use this text to talk to you from this subject. You're missing a piece. You're missing a piece. I need you to help me preach this a little bit. Just find somebody you came with, somebody sitting next to you. Just tell them, look them in the eyes, tell them you're missing a piece. You're, you're missing a piece. You're missing a piece. That's what my mother-in-law exclaimed to me one day after working tirelessly to complete a puzzle she'd been working on for days. And I, I suppose I should back up before I... How many of you, you like puzzles? You know what I'm talking about, puzzles? Those, those little cardboard cutouts that promise to unite our family but somehow leave us questioning our life choices. You know what I'm talking about? The, the, those things, I don't know if we can call them a pastime. They're more like a psychological experiment. See how much patience you have. One, one of those things, the, the reason we had this puzzle in the first place was last year my, my middle son, Grant, he had requested a puzzle as a gift. And I'd taken him on a trip with me, and of all the things we, we did, and I, I said, hey, I'll get you one souvenir on this trip. And of all the things that he could have picked out, he decided to pick out a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle that he wanted me to do with him. And so we diligently, when we got back from this trip, we diligently began to go to work on this puzzle, piecing it together, until one day my mother-in-law, she came to visit and uh, she took it upon herself to complete the task of this puzzle. And she would have done it too, had it not been for a missing piece. Have you ever been missing something? I don't know what it is you might be missing, but whenever you're missing something, it can make all your effort feel futile. And... In this case, my mother-in-law was missing a piece. Mary, though, wasn't just missing a piece. She was missing a room. There was no room in all of this event. And I don't know uh, if you've ever been pregnant, um, know somebody who's pregnant, been around, existing in the same house as somebody who was at one time pregnant. But there is a lot of preparation that goes into the pregnancy and the arrival of a newborn. I mean, when, when you've got a baby on the way, you're doing everything you can to get ready. 
You're making sure you got all the supplies you need. You're making sure you've got all the clothes you need. You're making sure you got all the bedding you need. I think Marissa and I spent more time picking out a crib than we did our first car. I didn't know that babies could be such divas. I'm like, why do you need a place to sleep like this? But anyway, don't even get me started on car seats. But we, there's a lot that goes into to planning for a baby to come. And I'm just saying that you do your best to make sure you have nothing missing for when that time comes. But the point is, whether you're talking about a puzzle or whether you're talking about pampers, few things can cause us to lose our peace like when something is missing. We get stuck in one part of our life all because all we can see is the thing that's missing. And I don't know what you might be missing today. I got a few categories for you. Maybe you find yourself missing a person. Maybe you find yourself missing a place. Maybe you find yourself missing a pace of life. Maybe you feel like you're missing a purpose. What I want you to know today is that Jesus came to bring us peace. In fact, right before this verse that tells us, Luke chapter 2, where Mary and Joseph make this trek to Bethlehem from Nazareth, the verse right before in Luke chapter 1, verse 79, Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist, he's speaking about Jesus prophetically. And this is what he says about the Messiah, that he will give light to those who live in the dark and in death's shadow. He will guide us into the way of peace. Jesus came to bring us peace. Centuries before Zechariah would ever say that, though, there was another prophet by the name of Isaiah. He said this about Jesus' birth. He said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of course, if you're familiar with the Nativity story, when the angels appear and they announce the birth of Jesus, they exclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Jesus came to bring us peace, but what I've noticed, there are so many people in life who want peace, who need peace, but are missing a peace. A real peace, a peace from heaven, a divine peace that only God can give. And I don't know if you realize this yet or not, but you can have a lot of money in the bank and not have peace in your heart. You can have a lot of success on the outside, but not have peace on the inside. You can be married have kids, a full house, and yet still have no peace in your home. What a lot of people are missing and don't even know that they're missing is a peace that only comes from God. What I've noticed, so many of us, not only do we not have peace, we've got the opposite. We've got tension. We've got worry. 
We've got stress, anxiety, and it's kind of ironic that in this time of year, we're presented with such a challenge to our peace because Jesus came to bring peace. And sometimes people will ask me, well, you must really love preaching at Christmas time. And in some ways I do. I, I do love it, but in other ways I don't. And I don't because it's not always easy to preach at Christmas time. You think it'd be easier, but people have a lot of challenges. People, their, their stress levels are higher. I'm sure even just me mentioning it, even without me mentioning it specifically, you can already begin to think of that thing that is sapping your strength and causing you stress. Just picture in your mind right now, what is that thing? Marissa, you better not be thinking of me right now. <laughs> just picture that thing in your mind that is causing you the, the most stress because Really, before we can talk about the Prince of Peace, it's helpful to acknowledge the source of our stress. Because wherever you identify the source of your stress, that is going to determine how and where you seek your peace. That was the problem why so many people missed the peace that Jesus brought. Because for the Jewish people, they were under Roman occupation. All these prophecies about Jesus bringing peace, the Messiah bringing peace, what they thought is that the Messiah was going to come and deliver them out of their trouble. To deliver them out of their oppression, deliver them out of their circumstance, deliver them out of their poverty, out of their darkness, out of their despair. That's why I thought it was interesting what Zechariah said about the Messiah, because he said, I will, he will give light to those who live in the dark, and in death's shadow. In other words, God doesn't just come and rescue me out of my trouble. Sometimes he visits me in my trouble. He will guide us into the way of peace. That's helpful because lots of times I'm thinking that the reason I can't have peace in this situation is because of everything that's going on. And if God's going to give me peace, then he needs to free me from all this stuff that is causing me trouble and trauma and frustration and disappointment. But Isaiah, he, he didn't call him the prince of convenience. He didn't say he was going to be the prince of ease or the prince of my preference. He says he's the prince of peace. And if, if you don't get this, then you're going to be expecting peace to come in a way that Jesus didn't come. I mean, understand, like, Jesus didn't come into perfection. And lots of times the problem is we think we can't have peace because we have this expectation that everything has to be perfect. We see what we're missing. But it is impossible for me to experience peace if I'm always expecting perfection. In fact, let me say it this way. That I will always be missing a peace Whenever I'm expecting perfection. The, the problem is really not the problem. Jesus came in a manger. It wasn't ideal circumstances. He didn't come in the form of perfection. Everything about this situation was, was, was chaos. 
The, the, the crazy part of Christmas is that there was no peace. I mean, just think for a moment this scenario. You've got Mary and Joseph making this journey while she is very close to delivery. I know a lot of people, they won't even leave the house if they're nine months pregnant. They can't go anywhere. And the circumstances surrounding this pregnancy, they would have appeared scandalous to anybody who was around them. Their lodging arrangements are less than ideal. It's not even mentioning that later on, the people God chooses to be the spokesperson for this birth are the shepherds who have been low class, not, not, not where they would have not been the people that everybody would have wanted to announce this. Matthew tells us that there is a king, a wicked king, who wants to kill them. Christmas was chaotic. There was no peace. And if you go into this season or any season expecting perfection, you'll be disappointed because Jesus doesn't offer us perfection. Instead, what he gives us is a perfect peace. Isaiah, when prophesying about Jesus, another place he said this, that you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I don't know about you. I want this promise. I need this promise. Because I'm less familiar with a perfect peace and more familiar with an imperfect peace. Where as long as everything is good, I'm good. The moment something is missing, I lose my peace. Well, what is perfect peace? The, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. We say shalom. Shalom. It's this rich Hebrew word. The, the Hebrew word shalom, it's really not just a word for peace. It's a greeting. They would greet people coming and going. It, it carries with it this idea of a fullness, a completeness, a, a wholeness. The, the, the word shalom, you could think about it this way. It's the, the complete peace of God, the full peace of God. Three, three areas it would apply to. You could categorize it this way, that it's an eternal peace. It's an internal peace and an external peace. It's a, it's a spiritual peace. It's an emotional peace. It's a relational peace. It's it's a peace with God, it's a peace within, and it's a peace with others. A, a peace with God. What, what's that mean? That I don't have to worry or wonder about where I stand with God. Have I, I messed up so bad? Have, have, has my sin been too much? Have I gone too far? Does God still love? I don't have to wonder about that. It's a peace with God. It's a peace within, in my mind. I don't have to deal with, with worry about the future, the, those thoughts that come in, anxiety. I can have a peace within, internally, peace with me, relationally, peace with others, that it's the power to forgive. How, how many of you know that that is not normal. When somebody wrongs you, the, the natural response is to distance, to fight back, to, to give them what they gave you. But the, the peace that God gives, a peace with people, it's the power to forgive because you know God. What's interesting, this text in Isaiah, it reads this way. It says that 
that he will give you, you will be kept in shalom, shalom. It's, it appears twice. It's this emphatic statement in the Hebrew language, which is more peace than you need. It's a double portion of peace. Not just the peace that you need, but, but more than you need. It's a perfect peace. And I need to be clear that the, the perfect peace that Jesus brings doesn't mean that you will not have trouble in the world. We looked at this last week, but Jesus promised us trouble. Doesn't mean that you'll never get frustrated. Doesn't mean that your spouse won't frustrate you. Like I frustrated Marissa when I emptied the dishwasher and I put the dishes in the wrong place. I know some of you are thinking, well, at least you emptied the dishwasher, which is what I was thinking, but I didn't want to say it because I want perfect peace in my home. But the peace that Jesus brings, it doesn't mean peace from, from difficulty. Peace, it's a peace that, that knows that even when everything is not okay, that I can stand confidently anyway because God is with me in every way. It's not free from hardship. Sometimes there will be sickness. Sometimes there will be pain. Sometimes there will be difficulty. But peace isn't found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. The presence of God. I'm glad there's like one person excited about that. Peace is God's presence. It's God's perspective. It's, it's God's assurance. Even when life isn't the way you want it to be. And I know sometimes people want to push back. Well, I, I get that God gives us peace, Pastor, but you've got to understand, my life is hard right now. Where's the peace in that? I've got health problems. My, my home is hectic. Where's the peace in that? My, my finances are a mess. Where is the peace in that? In my study this week, I, I discovered that there's over 400 verses in the Bible that promise us peace. Say 400. That's a lot. A lot of promises of peace. And I don't know how many problems you have, but you don't have 400. I mean, Jay-Z only had 99 problems. <laughs> There's 400 problems. 400 promises. And there is a peace for every one of your problems. If, if you need a comforting peace, there's a promise for that. If you need a providing peace, there's a promise for that. If you need a healing peace, there's a promise for that. A forgiving peace, a confident peace, a guiding peace. God has a peace for every problem. So how do you experience the peace of God? It begins in your mind. Let's look again at what Isaiah said. He said, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You can't have peace when your thoughts are fixed on what's missing. You can't have peace when your thoughts are fixed on what's wrong. You can't have peace when your, your thoughts are fixed on what's hurting and what's broken. 
you got to begin to fix your thoughts on God's promises. Paul put it this way in Philippians. He said, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Why? Because then the God of peace will be with you. When is the God of peace with me? When my mind is fixed on what he said. What has he said? He, he said that when you're lonely, he's your comfort. When you're lost, when you're confused, he's your God. That when you're weak, he's your strength. That when you lack, he's your provider. What has he said? I want to show you specifically something that, that Jesus said. It's in John 14, verse 27. Jesus said this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Here's what I love about this. See, Jesus doesn't just give you a peace. He gives you his peace. He gives you his peace. I'm, I'm curious today. Are you missing a piece? I told you that story about my mother-in-law putting together that puzzle. What's interesting is weeks later, she would call my wife and she said on the phone, hey, I found the piece. I found the piece. Come to find out, somewhere in putting the puzzle together, this piece that she had been missing had fallen into her shirt pocket. And when she went home and did her laundry and all this, the, the piece fell out. But here, here's the thought that came to me. Are you missing a piece? If you are, I, I want you to find the piece that Jesus offers. The truth is, just like with my mother-in-law, that peace is closer than you think. I, I prayed for each of you before you came this morning on my way here. I prayed for anybody who would say, I'm missing a peace. I prayed that you would find the peace that Jesus offers. It is a perfect peace, not perfect circumstances, but perfect peace. Jesus, who is peace, gives you his peace. And you can be kept in perfect peace despite what's missing when your mind is fixed on him. If I were to ask you the question today, where do you stand with God? Are you at peace? I wonder what the answers might be in the room. Is there anybody who would say, and I, I don't know. I hope so. I've, I know I've, I've done some things. I'm not sure if I've, I've done too much. I'm, I'm not feeling the peace of God. I've, I've got some stuff that is causing me to feel distant. I want you to know I, I prayed that you would leave here with the peace of God in your life. The, the way you receive God's peace, you have to invite him into your heart. 
fact, let me just read this scripture to you. It's not going to be on the screen, but just hear these words. It says, do not be anxious about anything. That's in Philippians 4. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's the peace of God. It's not the peace of this world. It's the peace of God. It's the peace you're missing. Jesus said, my peace I give you. He said, go in peace. Peace be with you. Peace on earth. 